talk listeners happy saturday um thank you for tuning in this is crime talk bk on radio free brooklyn i am flying solo again today my beautiful co-host is still on holiday vacay good for her it is a glorious day in brooklyn at 53 degrees sun is shining and i'm not as nervous as i was last week because i failed to drink my 32 ounces of cold brew so it should be a little smoother today probably just stop drinking 32 ounces of cold brew generally um okay so radio free brooklyn's drive to five fundraising campaign is underway as you may have heard uh we turned five years old this may and we are looking to raise some money so we can continue bringing our commercial free independent radio uncensored uh we think raising money should be fun each month we'll be bringing listeners challenges and some prizes 
if you haven't done so, please take the trivia quiz. Uh, the top five scorers will be winning a limited edition five-year anniversary RFB t-shirt. You can also call uh, 718-673-8201 to leave us a message to let us know what your favorite thing about RFB is or to wish us a happy birthday. Your message will be played or may be played on the air. Um, also, I wanted to bring attention to the mobile app. Um, if you'd like to listen to RFB when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the appropriate app store. Um, also, I did uh, upload a number of our uh, archive shows. It's not completely chronological yet. We're working on getting that to you by the middle of next month. I hope everybody had a nice holiday. I had a perfect one. I laid on my couch and ignored the entire world for 24 hours. Um, and I've been working from home ever since. So not much going on uh, as far as impeachment goes. There's a few things that I want to talk about today. Um, about that. Mostly Giuliani did this great interview with New York Magazine that I'll address later. Um, but let's just dive in to maybe I'll play a couple songs too. I'll dive into a couple things I have. Um, we have not yet on the show addressed the Tessa Majors uh, murder in the park in Upper Manhattan. Um, if you recall, let me see if I can pull up my information. So Tessa Majors is an 18 year old student. Uh, first year Barnard College student. She was fatally stabbed during a, a robbery gone wrong in Morningside Park on Wednesday, December 11th, steps away from Columbia University. Um, she was pictured walking down a set of stairs at the park on 116th Street near Morningside Drive when uh, a group of young men confronted her and tried to rob her, and one ended up stabbing her. There are have there have been reports that she she fought for back for her life and uh, bit one of them. So that's it's tragic and sad. But um, good on her, baller. Um, so she was stabbed uh, once in the stomach. So I'm bringing this up because there's been some controversy surrounding um, the NYPD one of the NYPD detectives on her case. He's previously been sued um, with others for holding exculpatory evidence and uh, not being a credible witness. So his name is Wilfredo Acevedo. Um, he's coming under media scrutiny right now uh, for his role in the interrogation of a 13-year-old suspect who had a family member in the uh, Tessa Major's case present, but um, no attorney. I think it was his uncle. This is the same kid that they just recently released. Um, it's been reported. Um, Google it. It's all over. Um, last year, Acevedo and another detective were sued by uh, Darius Rosenborough, who claimed the pair barged into his residence without a warrant and falsely arrested him for a shooting. Roseborough alleges that Acevedo falsely claimed that the shooting victim identified him as the shooter and then um, and that police found a gun or gun parts at his residence. All right. Um, the suit further alleges that the police withheld exculpatory evidence 
from prosecutors in the case showing that no fingerprints or DNA from the recovered gun or gun parts were actually linked to Roseboro. It also alleges that police withheld evidence showing that the shooting victim was an intensive care unit and could not have been interviewed by police at the time they were claiming to be to make an identification. Uh, as a result, Roseboro was incarcerated for over a year, according to the lawsuit. Um, his lawsuit is still pending, um, and all charges against him were dropped in September of 2016. Uh, lovely. Also in 2010, um, it is reported that Acevedo was one of two named officers in a lawsuit by Terrell McWillian. I'm butchering that last name, and I'm so sorry. Um, He's accused Acevedo and a group of other officers of falsely arresting him for drug and gun possession in central Harlem. The filings allege no drugs or contraband were actually found on him. Uh, Nonetheless, he spent three months in jail following his arrest. All charges were dropped uh, the next year. And the city settled a lawsuit for $50,000. So this is really, really muddying the waters in in the Tessa Majors case. And when you're dealing with suspects that are 13, 14 years old, this, is gonna, this could end up being incredibly problematic. Um, in addition to the lawsuits against Acevedo, he's also had three substantiated disciplinary findings from the NYPD for, I don't know what this means, discourteous language and uh, paperwork issues, according to documents that were actually obtained by Gothamist. Um, so you can find that there, too. And um, by a number of public defenders of the Legal Aid Society. Shout out to them. Uh, they're a badass agency. Um, so the defense attorneys in the Majors case are clearly using this as a uh, uh, a platform to raise issues related to the arresting officer's credibility. Um, they've criticized him for allegedly yelling and hounding the 13-year-old suspect that they recently let go without charges. Oh, excuse me. Um, and during the uh, attorney's questioning at the hearing in family court last Tuesday, uh, Acevedo had conceded that the child told him at the time, quote, at least 10 times that he did not know his friends were going to rob the victim. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Um, okay. This, and of course, this is clearly problematic. Um, in a statement in response to all of this, our brand new police commissioner, Dermot Shea, praised Acevedo, noting that he's made 237 arrests, including 93 felonies, and has medals, which, you know, when you're talking about a guy who makes questionable choices, I don't know if that's any great argument. Um, it has been, Gotham has tried to reach out to Detective Acevedo through his union, um, and he's not available for comment, which doesn't surprise me. Now, I guess overall, the lawsuits against the NYPD have trended downward in, in recent years. And his number, this isn't, his number of lawsuits is far from extraordinary compared to other detectives who have been named in dozens, which 
Yay. That doesn't bring me any peace at night either. Um, um, so with the nationwide attention that this majors case is getting, politicians are now getting involved. And of course they wrangled in the similarities to the central park five case, which resulted in the wrongful conviction of the five teenagers for uh, rape and assault. And ultimately a uh, several million dollar settlement from the city after being in jail for 20 some 30 years. Uh, so that's all kind of mishmashed together and now raising some serious concerns. Uh, the statement from the commissioner also continued on saying that the investigation is being carried out under close supervision of a high chain of command that goes as high as assistant chief, as well as assistant DA. Um, that's okay. Right. He says that the uncle that was present during the interview was a guardian. Um, and even though there was an attorney, it was videotaped and, uh, everything was proper. Now I don't, I don't know. We've all seen those, you know, make you, if you ever watched making a murderer, they claim that the interview with Brandon Dassey was proper, but we, we all could clearly see as rational human beings that it in fact was not fucking proper. So, it's really hard to really it's really hard to buy anything that they're selling. Um oh he was uh Acevedo was also named in a two thousand eight excessive force suit, resulted in a forty thousand dollar settlement with no admission of wrongdoing. I don't know if that's the strategy of the city to not go to trial and just throw money at it, but you know, that's our tax dollars going to officers that clearly have questionable ethics. Um Blah, blah, blah. What else? Okay. You can imagine that the police department is a little irritated by all of this. They don't like the fact that you're trying to discredit the cop in the media. Uh, he thinks that you should wait for all the evidence to come in. He thinks that the media will, you know, fuck up the whole case, which it could, generally speaking. And it's not going to give any justice to Tessa's family. The next uh, hearing for this will take place, looks like Monday, um, and the judge will rule on the prosecution's request seeking to limit defense counsel's internal use of the police interrogation video uh, in preparation. I don't know what the strategy is there. I'd have to think about that. I'm not quite sure. Um, in other news, with the NYPD, well, former NYPD behaving badly, um, a former NYPD cop pled guilty Friday to lying about a cocaine bust that led to the wrongful arrest of a Bronx man. Uh, Dan Yonkers detective Sean Fogarty, 45, a former NYPD, copped third degree perjury in Manhattan criminal court and agreed to retire in exchange for a sentence of no jail time. I don't know if he gets his pension. I did not find that in all of the reporting. This comes from the New York Post. Uh, I'll keep an eye on it, see what happens. But if he's not getting any jail time, there's probably not going to be anything else on it. At the time, he was working for the DEA task force when he executed a search warrant on the first two floors of a three-story Bronx building owned by Calvin Powell in April of 2018, according to the federal lawsuit. Uh, Powell was a tax preparer and owned the building and lived with his family on the first floor and rents the other two floors. 
After agents searched the first two floors and came up empty-handed, they broke into the third floor and found coke, crack, and digital scales behind a locked closet door. But the search warrant itself didn't actually apply to the third floor. It was limited to just the first two floors, which was his actual, his first floor was his residence, and then the uh, tenants of the second floor. And then Fogarty falsely told prosecutors and swore in official court papers that the cocaine was found on the first two floors. <laughs> and um, so in result of that, Powell spent five months in Rikers before the charges against him were dropped by the city's office of special narcotics prosecution. Um, fucking Jesus Christ. So the officer filed for retirement on December 11th, the same day Powell filed for his lawsuit, according to the Westchester Journal News. Um, Powell is suing, the lawsuit is against Fogarty and other law enforcement agents in the city for a slew of civil rights violations, including malicious, mal- excuse me, malicious prosecution. Um, so I'll keep an eye on the lawsuit. But quite frankly, I don't, this is not uh, unusual, I guess, you know, really not fucking infuriating, but it's not. Um, so let's lighten this up. Uh, I'm going to go through this glorious interview with Rudy and then I'll play a tune. Um, so this I, this interview caught my eye. It came into the news um, because it had come out that he had said that everybody at the SDNY that's investigating him is an, is an asshole, which you can imagine why he would think that considering, he, you know, he used to work there. Um, this interview is by Olivia Newsy for New York Mag. It came out early last week, I think. Um, she... Meets him at the corner of 33rd Street, Manhattan, and um, she describes him as, like, the description is is sort of like a doddering old man, and it's really hysterical that how she describes him. Um, he's got tortoise shell sunglasses, um, apologized for being late, couldn't drive on the sidewalks like he used to. Um, he, when he was asked about Kiev, he said he was, he, they had to sneak out to escape having to answer a lot of questions and sneak out of Ukraine. And they all thought they were going to leave uh, on the Friday and they organized this trip to Vienna. But so when she got into the car, she noticed that the, was cluttered full of luggage and his bodyguard, also an NYPD officer who loves Donald Trump as much as he does, moved the bags and um uh let's see. So Rudy here it is. Over her sweater, he wore uh this is a quote from the article. Over her sweater, he wore a navy blue suit, the fly of his pants unzipped. He accessorized with an American flag lapel pin, American flag woven wallet a diamond-encrusted pinky ring, and a diamond-encrusted Yankees World Series ring. Uh, yeah. And then um, 
So in addition to being the president's free personal attorney, he's an informal White House cybersecurity advisor, apparently, and a high-priced cybersecurity contractor. I think that's what his private firm does these days. Um, In one hand, he's clutching three cell phones of varying sizes. Two of the devices were unlocked. There's screens revealing open tabs and a barrage of banner notifications as they knocked into each other and reacted to his grip. He accidentally activated Siri, who said she didn't understand his command, and he says she never understands me, poking at the device, attempting to quiet her, can't get through the banners. Like, this is this is the cybersecurity professional that Trump has decided to make his personal lawyer that also that that relationship is questionable at best um in my opinion um you know he's going on about he's going on about uh i know every inch of new york blah blah blah. and then the interviewer asks him if he ever trusted his two cronies from ukraine lev parnas and igor fruman and he's like, yeah, they look like Miami people. I know a lot of Miami people that look like that. They're perfectly legitimate because they look like Miami people. Which I don't know if you've ever been Miami, but some of them don't look that legit. Um, neither one of them had ever been convicted of a crime. Neither one. And generally, that's my cutoff point. So his only cutoff point is if you haven't been convicted. Great. That's great. Um, he then dives into a monologue about um, the scandal he co-created. And then um, he said, former, former, he calls former ambassador Marie Ivanovich Santa Maria. Um, and she, he claims that she's controlled by George Soros. And this, this piece was the hit the news um, and caused quite the scandal. It says, he put all four ambassadors there and he's, uh, oh, he's, oh, here he is. Don't tell me I'm an anti-Semitic if I oppose him. Soros is hardly a Jew. I'm more of a Jew than Soros is. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> uh, it's only slightly offensive. Uh, it, he doesn't, yeah, I'm not even going to dignify the rest of it. Um, so further down the road in this interview, um, he says that he believes the media is doing the billionaire's bidding by printing lies about him. Yet he often bungles his own attempts to discredit the media's reporting. So, for example, when this interview set interview asks him, um, how he's how he's sort of attempting to argue that argue against what's been written. He says, I have no business interests in the Ukraine while he was telling her about the two business deals he did in Ukraine. Um, and he sought four or five others. I mean, the man is he's losing his, the man's gone off his rocket rocker. Um, he says, since he's been representing the president, he has been approached with two opportunities in Ukraine both of which he turned down to avoid accusations of impropriety, although he did two business deals, has no business interests in Ukraine, um, 
And the one he really wanted to do was a lawsuit on behalf of Ukrainian government against a large financial institution, basically to get to how they money launder money so he can then go into the Biden deal to figure out how if there was any mon- money laundering on that side, he could he could figure out how they did it. And then in the future, he could do it himself. He didn't say that part, but really. Uh, so. We're talking then he goes into the. Um, reading about his own press and sees that his um, a lot of these friends and quote unquote sources close to him are being weaponized by uh, conspirators and the media and helping to paint this sort of portrait of a man unhinged, which I don't think he needs any help. He lost his goddamn mind. Um, these are also the same people who have told him to be to be careful with his legacy. And he, this is what he replies with. And my attitude about my legacy is fuck it. That's a direct quote. He does not care. The people's mayor, ladies and gentlemen. Um, He scoffs at the idea that he's on drugs. He scoffs at the idea that he is an alcoholic, Um, even though he says, I love scotch. I can't help it. I love malts. I love scotch and cigars. I love it. I love them. I'm a partier. Now, that last piece maybe is a little facetious, but every social picture I've ever seen him with, he's got a cocktail in his hand. No, I mean, look, I'm not knocking that. I always have one too, but but I don't also, I'm not a public persona, at least not yet. Thank the Lord. And so here we get to the Southern District of New York, um, which he feels like the, is the biggest betrayal of all because um, it was supposed to be like his world uh, full of his guys and um, and he ran the office there for a, a lot of time during the 80s. Uh, so he says, if they're investigating me, they're assholes. They're absolute assholes if they're investigating me. End quote. And that's. It's like, I mean, he's he his vocabulary is just like his friends in the White House. It's it's unbelievable. It's just deflect, deflect, deflect. No proof. They're idiots. They're idiots. They're assholes. And they, and they really are a bunch of Trump deranged, silly New York liberals. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we are. Um, he says, if, if they think I committed crime, they're out of their minds. I've been doing this for 50 years. I know not to commit crime. I know how to not to commit crimes. And they think I've lost my integrity. Maybe they've lost theirs and their insanity over hating Trump. Uh, so I know how to not commit crimes, but so basically you're just looking for how to launder money with cohorts that don't have any criminal record noted. Good. He also says that the Southern district of New York is jealous of him because, um, in the 30 years since he's resigned, uh, for as mayor, um, thousands of convictions under his belt. The office has declined. Um, the new guys wish they were prosecuting the mob like he did and they couldn't do what he did or was capable of. So Letitia James, you know, I know you're jealous of this little twit. 
Um, let's see. Yep. And they've never done anything like that since. Blah, blah, blah. Then he goes, oh, then he goes on to add that James Comey's daughter actually works at the Southern District of New York and she's pissed and jealous. Um, and this is all just sort of like, it's like a big cabal against him because of what he said about Comey, uh, who, if, just to refresh, is the former FBI director that was fired under Donald Trump in 2017 to try and ease the pressure of the Russia investigation and then subsequently testified in front of Congress. Um, He says, I consider her father a disgrace. I'm embarrassed that I hired him because he hired him. And um, I'd never seen anybody run the FBI like that. Like, yeah, I mean, sort of revisionist history and uh, I yeah so the last thing I want to bring to your attention about this interview um, is when we go into the impeachment trial in the coming months Rudy thinks that he may be the person that cross-examines the witnesses so which I mean could be He's kind of a lunatic, and I think Trump likes a lunatic, right? So you, so he has a few ideas uh, about going after the credibility of these witnesses. So he says about the guy that overheard the telephone call, for instance. Anybody check the guy has an earpiece? Maybe he's deaf. Maybe he is uh, what's this? oh paranoid schizophrenic. How old is this guy? How do we know he's not uh, alcoholic? So he's... He's already using the tactics uh, that Trump puts out on Twitter, right? And these guys are uh, lifetime uh, nonpartisan appointees. They've worked under both Republican and Democratic presidents. And we're going to start calling them paranoid schizophrenics at the trial. So you can kind of guess at what kind of circus this is going to be, considering I mean, that is if they let the witnesses in. If they don't let the witnesses in, we're basically dealing with it's a, it's going to be a quick sham. There won't be no witnesses. Won't be any documents. Won't be any evidence. And that's not a trial. That's a that's a press conference. Um. He has had a number of oh he had a couple of bloody marys during this interview. And then let's see. He said that uh, he didn't think that the president's Paul was a big deal and that it was typical that Trump withhold aid at the last minute until he makes them beg for it. That's how Trump operates. Well, that makes you feel good, too, about the state of our nation and our uh, international relations. Yeesh. Um, so he's they wrap up this interview. They were at some restaurant. They had a couple of Bloody Marys. They they. He gets in the car, his bodyguard takes him away, and the reporter looks down, and the cybersecurity agent has lost a screen to his phone. The man is a boob. Really. He is. I don't know. Yeah. He's also fucking frightening. So that happened. Um, I think, let's see. We'll listen to a jam and I'll decide if we want to talk about Epstein Weinstein 
when we get back. Um, this is Red Right Hand by Nick Cave of the Bad Seeds.
he ain't what he seems. You'll see him in your head on the TV screen. Hey, buddy, I'm warning you to turn it off. He's a ghost, he's a god, he's a man, he's a guru. You're one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan Designed and directed by his red right hand talk about Ghislaine Maxwell. It has come out this week that um, the FBI is investigating Ghislaine finally for her role in Epstein's, Epstein's sex trafficking scheme. Recap, Ms. Maxwell is a British socialite, um, daughter of late media mogul Robert Maxwell, who mysteriously died or killed himself. We're not sure. I don't remember. Um, she is the one who is said to have introduced Epstein to many of her wealthy and powerful friends, including Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew, the Duke of York. Um, she's mostly been out of public view since 2016, and her whereabouts were most likely unknown. It was reported that she had fled to Brazil, although publicly unknown. I'm pretty sure that the feds knew where she was or is. Um, so... They've so the FBI is now investigating her. They are um, eyeing her and several other affiliates. Reuters reports citing two law enforcement sources. They said the sources said they were examining people who facilitated Epstein's systematic abuse of underage girls, and they're also running down leads provided by Epstein victims who have come forward since his arrest. Um, one source toward writers, the investigator is only in its early stages. We'll be seeing a lot more of this over the coming months. Um, they are following up on a number of leads that they received from women who contacted a hotline the agency set up in New York in July. And um, not a lot of details are further on this, but um, I 
suspect that we'll be seeing Ghislaine in the news in the very, very near future. Um, also in Epstein's news, another woman has come forward and filed claims against his estate. She's filed a federal lawsuit anonymously under the pseudonym Anastasia Doe, and she claims from 2003 to 2006 she was sexually abused and raped by the financier at his 71st Street mansion in New York. She was recruited by her an underage friend of hers who told her she could get 300 bucks to give a massage to a rich guy and when she and the friend arrived, Epstein was laying face down on a massage table where he allegedly told the girls to get naked. Um, he started, you know, touching her and rubbing up on her and um, abused her with various things. She was paid 300 bucks for the encounter and then uh, left her phone number with him. And so over the next three years... She was contacted regularly to schedule weekly meetings with a fucking perv. Um, and then when she was 16, apparently she aged out and he, um, before, well, excuse me. So when she was 16, he had sex with her and then paid her $400 and then aged her out. And then she had, and then had her bring other younger friends to him for $300. All of this is in the federal lawsuit. All of these claims um, ring true to what's already been filed. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. It's not surprising that more are coming forward. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's not over yet. And then, uh, what do we got? Oh, well, let's do Weinstein because he's also a total piece of shit. Uh, he did an interview Let's see. Let me find it. Oh yes. Okay. So oh, let's first. First of all, let's say the um, L.A. County uh, District Attorney is considering charging Weinstein as an investigation. Why are we talking about L.A. County? That's because the New York District Attorney's Office, during their investigation, found evidence and uh, related over to the Beverly Hills Police Department. It appears that they've impaneled a grand jury. Um. Let's see. So, eight cases are under review in L.A. Four of the cases are from Los Angeles. Two, and I'm sorry, and four of them are from Beverly Hills. Uh, let's see. So, they could actually indict him before, that's probably not, his trial is supposed to start on January 6th, but they could potentially indict him before then. Um, uh, but it's probably more likely that they'll wait till after the trial in my, in my, I suspect it because then they can use the evidence of the trial and, and garner their own cases against those, those eight claimants. Um, the LA times reports that the LA district attorney's office has intensified contact with at least two of the accusers <coughs> and has broadened their review across the country. Um, this could open a second arm of the prosecution against Weinstein, who faces in, in New York here, four charges, four sex crimes charges involving three different women. Again, he goes on trial for January 6th. I will, unless it gets delayed, I will keep you 
uh, completely apprised of all the dirty details on that one. He uh, he's declined to comment on this article from the L.A. Times. Um, he's pled guilty to all charges in New York and he's uh, denied all allegations. Blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. So in in that denial, uh, he ended up giving an interview from his hospital bed uh, to the New York Post while recuperating from spinal surgery to remove a trio of bone plates that were compressing vertebrae. The motivation behind this interview, he says, was to just show to the public that this was major surgery and that he wasn't, you know, fucking around when he had a walker. So he wasn't trying to garner sympathy um, and exaggerating his ailments. Uh, he relied, uh, so because he, his last hearing, he was walking in it heavily, uh, walking in and out with a walker. He did, he was slumped down. It did feel a little forced, but you know, what do I know? Uh, I've seen that kind of shit before in a courtroom. Um, so this article, this interview made news this week because he made some really awful statements, um, about, he, like it's clear to to everybody that he's just not getting what he did, um, and his, he says like his whole career and all the work he's ever done is eviscerated because of what happened, and my work has been forgotten. I want the city to recognize who I was instead of what I've become. Well, Harvey, we do recognize who you were. That is why you are in this predicament. Um. He's accused, blah, blah, blah. We've, I'm not even going to go over the charges. Um, so I want to go into the, fir- the interview just a little bit further. So, okay, so, well, one of the women who alleged harassment but is not part of the last settlement is Gwyneth Paltrow, who won the Oscar for Shakespeare in Love in 1999, which was produced by Harvey as Harvey's Miramax. So this is what he says about that. Gwyneth Paltrow in 2003 got $10 million to make a movie called View from the Top. She was the highest paid female actor in an independent film, higher paid than all the men. Uh, that's so she should be thankful. Like that's just what he's implying is that Gwyneth wouldn't be Gwyneth without, without me. Not that she doesn't come from an incredibly famous actor family. Um, she couldn't have done it on her own. And then um, he tells his charity work. Uh, he recalls that Madonna in the early 90s sent him to see the documentary Paris is Burning, which I, you haven't seen. It. It's one of my fucking favorites. I was talking to it with my friend the other night. Um, he says, I understood the celebratory nature of the film and bought the dis- distribution rights. The same thing is true for Transamerica, with Felicity, which Felicity Huffman got an award for. Um, he's rattled off countless other films in this interview with social justice agendas. And he's, you know... He and his brother were the company that tackled all of these social issues. Um, and it was very rare in the movie industry at the time uh, to flex any sort of humanitarian muscle. So he's, a, you know, he's just basically, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Whitewash, whitewash, whitewash. I didn't do anything wrong. Look at my, look at my work. Um, I've learned from my mistakes, but it's clearly, that is clearly not what he's giving off here. Um. 
he says about the claims that he was tampering with this uh, tampering with his ankle monitor that he was just the prosecutors just wanted to embarrass him. Uh, although he did tamper with it fifty six times, so you're either embarrassed because you're a bumbling idiot or you're embarrassed because you got caught. Not sure about that. Um, he says, I made a success out of myself. I had no money. I built quite an empire and decided to give back. If you remember who I was then, you might want to question some of this. Deflect, deflect, deflect. I'm not fucking responsible for my bad behavior. Right. So that happened. Um, Let's see. I don't want to talk about impeachment. I'm over that for the week. I want to, you know, slide into the new year with a fresh palate because it's getting tired and I'm getting burnt out on it. And I think that's the whole idea. So I want to remind everybody, though, call your reps, call your senators, tell them what you want. Vote, 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 register to vote. Keep calling. Keep tweeting. You need they need you to know. Even if you're in a district where your guy says, yeah, I'm totally down for impeachment, they need you to tell them that that's what you want. Um, okay. And then, let's see. Oh, okay. We'll talk about this. As you may have been feeling lately in New York, I feel like anti-Semitic hate crimes are kind of on the rise. Um, like, there was three uh, reported in four attacks in a 30-hour period over uh, Hanukkah, including three in Brooklyn. Um, the crime spree began on Monday, the second day of Hanukkah, in one of NYCHA's Independence Towers at 99 Wilson Street. Two young boys were assaulted. Um, they were attacked from behind at around 8.40 at night by two teenagers. They suffered minor injuries and were treated at the scene. Um and then at around 1.40 in the morning, a 25-year-old man had anti-Semitic slurs yelled at him while walking on Kingston Avenue near President Street. The man recorded these people yelling at him on his cell phone, also threw a drink at him. He wasn't injured. And then later that same day, a 56-year-old man was attacked from behind by a group of people walking on Union Street. He refused medical attention. Uh, all of these crimes are being investigated by the Hate Crimes Task Force, which is newly founded by the NYPD. Um, yeah, people, just, we got to live in peace here. We can't let this bullshit keep rising. Check your neighbors. That's some bullshit. Um, so despite crime in this country, or this I'm sorry, the city dropping is what they're reporting, hate crimes across the five boroughs have increased dramatically um, and that's, that's really disconcerting. And I think that is a reflection of, of where the national politics are. I think that's a reflection of what the Republican party is, uh, trying to do and create this divisiveness. And we need to start learning how to live in fucking peace and harmony. Um, I'm, you know, like there's no need for any of that. You're just being a dick. So rule number one of life is what don't be a dick um so yeah so there were 323 hate crimes reported in 2019 
And that is an increase of 33% during the same period of time last year. Uh, this is the biggest category of crime that is on the rise. They, the NYPD is reporting that violent crime is down, although sometimes it does seem like it's going up. Um, petty crimes and subway crimes are on the way up too, but um, I'm more concerned about about and um, hate crimes generally. And um, so please check on your neighbors. Please pass the olive branch. Please. We, we can't have that shit anymore. Um, let's see. What else? Do, 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 what else do you guys think? Let me see what else I got. Oh, just a quick update on the uh, crazy Greek family, uh, Photos Doulos, who is suspected of murdering his wife. Um, he seeks to have the divorce that was on file for his from his missing wife dismissed in a bid to challenge uh, his mother-in-law's guardianship of their five children. Uh, uh, Joanna and I talked about this a while back. Um, the motion was filed by his attorney um, during a probate hearing. He wants all of his five children under his care. Uh, the mother, the grandmother is refusing to cooperate. He hasn't seen the kids since I think March. Um, oh, sorry. May. Um, yep. And if you recall, it was widely suspected that he and his then girlfriend, um, had, had murdered her and they have been both twice arrested since June in connection with evidence tampering in the case. Um, they're both currently out on bail and the children have been living in Manhattan with their grandparents ever since. So there's that. I'm keeping an eye on that. That is, uh, this case is twisty turny and there hasn't been a trial yet. So I'll keep that, I'll keep that, uh, in mind in the coming months too. I think that's, uh, I think that's all we got for you today. Um, thank you for joining me today at Radio Free Brooklyn. I appreciate your support. I know Joanna does too. Um, over the year, we've had a great year. We've been, um, please uh, donate if you can, dollar, five bucks, whatever. Give your will. Um, we will be back next week. I believe my my girl will be back with me, so it's not as droll and boring. Um, thank you again. Love you. Happy New Year, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> And the outside temperature rises And the meaning is oh so clear One thousand and one yellow daffodils Begin to dance in front of you, oh dear Are they trying to tell you something? You're missing that one final school You're simply not in the pink, my dear you haven't got a clue I'm going slightly mad I'm going slightly mad It finally happened, happened. It finally happened Whoa. It finally happened 
Oh, yes, it finally happened. 